All right, First John is an awesome book. It's gonna, it's gonna, we're gonna kind of change the tempo a little bit here. Uh, so James and First and Second Peter are pretty serious books, if we could say. Um, they're the tip of the spear. Uh, but John, we're gonna really dissect the dynamics of love, and I think this can be really. Uh, misunderstood in the day and age we live in because everyone's all about inclusion. Love is love. Let's just love each other. Come on, let's not let's not stir up the pot. Let's not rock the boat. Uh, let's just you know come together and hug each other all day. Okay. Um, <laughs> they've already started. I'm already. I'm already. <laughs> okay. But love in truth is is beautiful. That means there's conviction. That means that there is uh, righteousness. And uh, because truth without love is what? Truth without love is what? Legalism. Good. And, uh, and then we could say uh, love without truth is what? Thank you. Sentimentality. Very good. All right. So if I'm loving somebody outside of truth, then I'm just being sentimental, and we could be buddy-buddy, but there's really no ministry there, okay? Eventually, we can only correct people based on the ministry of love. That means Tim and I are, are friends, we could say, but I can only invest in Tim to the measure that I love Tim. And Tim receives that love, which is from God, right? Now, I'm not going to come out of the gate and start correcting him or him he correcting me. Because love gives the equity or the permission to correct, right? So if my love is legalistic, which means you have to earn my love, then it's going to be uh, full of pressure, full of false standards, and full of... Um, friction. Okay, so John, let's look at John, First John, for a minute. So we see a couple contracts here, contrasts. Excuse me. Um, we see that one of the major topics is walking in the light. Okay, so John is going to bring in some uh, contrasts there. And by the way, we believe this is the Apostle John. By the way, uh, there's many different ideas of who wrote this book, but. We can understand in the first few verses here that it was the Apostle John because it was him that was on the, the chest of Christ. So walking in the light, walking in the truth, and then wa uh, working with others. So walking in the light, walking in truth, and then working with one another. Okay. So these are some, some things we'll, we'll unpack as we go through 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Okay, so again, he's going to bring up, um, again, faith, heresy, and hospitality. So I just want to give you an overview of First John, because uh, it was written in AD 90, okay, AD 90. So uh, again, it's, it's a timetable when uh, John is uh, giving account to his walk with Christ, and we're going to see this in the first few verses, but all through these chapters in these books, we're going to hear the word love, right? Love. And this love is, I love you, so I'm going to speak the truth to you in love. 
So when you hear that word, speak the truth in love, it means that you're, you're speaking to that person based on the capacity that they have, right? What is capacity? What does the word capacity mean? Anybody? It's the measure, yeah, of what? Of their understanding. Good. Okay. So we could say a cap the capacity is their ability to receive what I'm saying. For instance, I'm not going to give a child a T-bone steak, right? Because they don't have the capacity to handle a T-bone steak, right? They're not mature enough. So same thing. I'm not going to speak to someone. I'm not going to speak above them or condescend below them. But we're going to speak to their capacity, to the measure of their understanding. Okay? So if you walk into a Sunday school class and you start teaching about theatric action, you're going to have a lot of eyeballs looking at you, right? Anybody know what theatric action is? Yes. Oh, Salem. I love that. Tell us what theatric action is. That's the action of the Christian Yeah. So Christ is connected to many other things, right? Uh-huh. But when you use somebody, that's the action of the Good. Okay. So it's part of the hypostatic union. I, I don't want to spend too much time, but theos and anthropos, which means God is controlling or acting on behalf of man. Okay. Great, great top, a great thought there. Okay. Theantric action. So again, we're talking to people, ministering to people in love. Okay. Love, love is so powerful, but it's been redefined as some idea that we have to give everyone what they want, no boundaries, uh, very much in, it's like the 60s. So everything is free without consequence. This is not what the love of God is. Love, the love of God is a bloody cross. Okay, that's the love of God. Wow. Okay, but what that cross stood for is why we're sitting here today as sons and daughters of God, okay? So let's, so let's look at this together. Um, so again, I love these words that which from the very beginning, which we have heard, seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare that you also may have fellowship with us, and true fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write, that your joy may be full. Wow, okay? That's incredible. We see this in John chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. We see very similar words, okay? But look at this. We saw him, we heard him, and we handled him. I want you to think about that word handled for a minute. Um, when you handle something, it can refer to a lot of things. It can refer to something that's close. It's something you can touch. It's even more than that. It's something that you can, uh, you can, like you handle, like I, I, I like to wrestle with my son, right? It's like, it's like there's, there's a, uh, it's more than just a touch. You're actually embracing or drawing something close to yourself, right? Malleable. Malleable, right? That's a good word, right? So Christ was this. Think about it. John is saying 
This is how close Christ is. Okay, he wasn't just some figure way up in the sky. He wasn't just some theological concept. He was someone you could touch. Okay? When did the disciples touch Christ? Give me an example. Last Supper, good. Resurrection. Resurrection, good. What else? Candor. Say again. Okay, good. What else? Thomas, excellent. What's another one? Fish by the sea. Washing the feet. Jesus was approachable. He was touchable. He was, in Hebrews chapter 4, he was acquainted with our infirmity. Big, big verse there. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, 16 and through 18. Okay? He was the high priest that was touched with our infirmities. You know, some scholars say that Jesus had 40 different fevers and ailments as he was dying on the cross. 40. Was Jesus lonely? He was. Was Jesus depressed? Well, depressed in the sense we could say is there was oppression and great pressure on him on the cross. The devil was trying to kill him, right? So he was, he identified at every point, yet he did not sin. So this is kind of a big word here. Our hands have handled him. So when I have a theological God, I may have my words right, like Brandon brought up a great point. You know, we want to have the scripture clear, but we also want to have a personal relationship beyond the words, which means I'm taking my Bible and I'm reading this verse and I'm reading it over and over. I'm asking God, okay, you did this for me. You did this so that I could be free. You want to internalize it and make it personal, right? It's, it's like a friendship, right? Friendship grows into a relationship, and in some cases, a relationship grows into a marriage, right? We could say. So, John is saying he was so approachable, he was so close to us, he was right there when we needed him. And I love, I love what he says here. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare. So he, he's saying, listen, I've been an eyewitness. I'm not just making this stuff up. I saw it. I smelled it. I touched it. I tasted it. I was, I'm thoroughly acquainted. Jesus was everything that they said he was and more because we know that the volumes of the book cannot contain everything that Jesus did. All right? It's pretty awesome, isn't it? So that you may have fellowship with us. So he's kind of making a credible witness here. He says, you can trust us because we are the real deal. Okay? And I love this. With, and our true fellowship is more than what we're saying. It is based in who Christ is. It's based in the Father. So that your joy may be full. So in John 15, 16, we, we see a couple of verses here about joy. So John 15, 16, and also Psalm 16, 11, right? We see that there's joy in the presence of God, right? There's joy, full joy, okay? Now, how is joy produced? Well, we know in 15, 16, if we invest 
who Christ is and help others develop their walk of faith and abide, right? Abiding. Then God will continuously give us joy in Nehemiah 8.10. It'll literally be our strength. So don't sell your joy. Don't let people steal your joy. Don't let circumstances take your joy. Your joy is not for sale, just like the truth is not for sale, right? How can people steal your joy? Well, if I'm a people pleaser, then they'll steal my joy. If I'm trying to um, uh, not only please, but be approved by people, or if I get let people have power over you, guess what? Your joy will be stolen. Okay, don't sell your joy. That means we rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? Philippians 4.4. It means that we are content and enjoying God regardless. Amen? 1 Timothy 6.6. We're enjoying God if it's sunny or if it's rainy. If I got a flat tire or if I got a brand new car. I mean, again, happiness is happenstance. It's all based on situations. But joy... The devil goes after your joy. Why? Because it is so powerful. And I don't mean you're smiling all the time or you're just, uh, you know, whistling as you dance down the street. I'm not talking about joy. Joy is a condition of the heart, right? It's a condition of the heart. It means you're totally resting and enjoying God, okay? All right. Let me show you something. Last week we gave you a handout. Does everyone have that? Does everyone have the light handout? If you have that, let's let's look at that for a minute, okay? And as you're looking at that, I love verse 5. This is the message. Let's say those words. This is the message. This is the message. I can't hear you. This is the message. This is the gospel. Friends, the gospel is so rare. It's so rare because so many people have made it a man-centered word. But the gospel is good news. Amen? There's a go in gospel, right? It's Christ plus nothing. I'm, that might seem like obvious to us, but the world we're in, it is tragically not obvious. Okay? This is the message. This is our message. What's the message? It's the, it's the verses we just read, right? By the way, if you're, up, if you're preaching someone you don't know what to talk about, talk about Christ. Talk about the anatomy of Christ. Talk about the work of Christ. Talk, make it a Christ. Talk about his eyes, his hands, his feet. Like, this is our message. You want your hearers to handle Christ, Right? To handle him, right? So that they will have an understanding of Christ more than when you first talk to them, okay? This is our message, which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness, okay? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And I want to spend some time on that, okay? So, light and darkness, right? Light and darkness. Does light have anything to do with darkness? 
right? What is darkness? The absence of light. The absence of light, good. Darkness, we could say it's the kingdom of darkness, right? The devil, or let's say a, a lie, right? It's something that can, like, we have, a, we have a, a light and the bushel can go over our light and it can muffle and create shadows and create darkness, right? This is what happens when we forget the truth. This is why we need to be in our Bibles. This is why we, we need to be before the Lord, like, Lord, make it real again, right? Why? Because the devil hates the light, right? The devil hates the light. Another contrast is love and joy, right? Love and joy. How important is love? We're going to talk about that in another class. But I can only love people to the measure that I've been loved. I want you to catch that. And it's an obvious, maybe simple statement. You and I can only love people. I can only love people based on how much I've received love. So this is why uh, a famous booklet we have in our church by, by our founding pastor, Just Let God Love You, it is a revolutionary book because so many want to do, 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 when they have not yet received, 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 and love makes us brand new. Right? Okay. And then we see the other contrast, right? Truth versus a liar, okay? Being a liar. Okay, we're going to look at that in the second half of the class in, in 1 John chapter 2. But a liar is um, one who breaks faith. One who breaks the faith. Okay? It's kind of an interesting definition. It's an anti-Christ spirit. Proverbs talks about sowing discord. Yes. Yeah. So it, I'm sorry. I should say that's a good point. <laughs> it's not a contrast. It's a comparison. Excuse me. Thank you for that. All right. So there's a contrast here, and this is a comparison. Thank you. And then there's another contrast. Okay. So love and joy are the fruits of the spirit. They are the fruit of truth. Okay. So a liar, it's like someone saying they're, they're, doing, they're speaking the truth, they're, they're encouraging other people to do the truth, and they themselves are not living in the truth, right? We call that what? What do we call that? Hypocrisy. Right, hypocrisy. Okay, good. All right. So, so let's, look at this. let's look at this sheet. Let's look at this handout for a minute. By the way, very interestingly enough, Jesus didn't call any of, uh, there was no reference, and if you can show it to me, I'd be very interested. I couldn't find it. There's no reference to a believer being called a hypocrite. Who did Jesus call hypocrites? Right, the religious leaders. But today, for some reason, it's very easy to mudsling and throw rocks, and believers call believers everything that Jesus never who knew everything, was everywhere, and, and could do anything. And he chose not to use that word. So just to kind of, for our meditation. All right. So let's look at this. Let's look at this paper for a minute. Everyone have one? Do you need one? Uh, yeah. All right. Let's give um, Jared. Do you have one more? All right, Jared. You wanna, all right. I'll, I'll get you one. Sorry. All right. So 1 John 1, 6, the light, okay? 
we have the light test and the faith test. Okay? God is light. Okay? If we say we have union with him and we have no sin, what are we saying? We are liars, right? Because we are all sinners, right? That is our disposition. That's, that's, uh, that came down through the bloodline of Adam. Is that our identity? That's not our identity, right? Romans 7, 20, one of my favorite verses says, we are not our sin. That's a great, that's a great identity verse. And we know the struggle in Romans 7, I do what I don't want to do and what I should do, I don't do, right? There's that great, great war within us, right? So we're going to talk about that second half, the about sin. But the point here is God is light. Like in him is the source and quality of truth. Okay? So we see here that if we walk in darkness to say we have no sin, it's like he's going to go on to develop this in, in other chapters, is we cannot say that we're sinless. Okay? We are sinners. Okay? And we, there is darkness. Okay? And that's why forgiveness and the blood of Christ is so critically important. Okay? So I'll let you look through this. I'm just going to briefly go through this. So no Christian ever walks in darkness. No carnal Christians. All Christians always walk in the light. So that's a reflection of joy. Okay? All right. So do we fail? Yes, we do. Right? We certainly do. But remember, even though we are failing, okay, we are still living as God's light. Now, our testimony may be diminished and our witness may, di- may be diminished. But uh, And this is why we want to have an attitude of repentance so that we can shine brightly. Okay? All right. Um, so this is some really good, uh, this is really some good contrast. There's the non-Christian at the first the first uh, tier, the second one is the Christian, and again, the third tier is the non-Christian, okay? So again, there's contrasts, the Christian to the, un- to the un- unbeliever, okay? Somebody might say, I'm a spiritual person. That's nice. I always I like to ask people, what do you mean by that, right? What do you mean by that? And I love to listen to them talk and just try to understand what they're saying, okay? So we want to help them understand that without the light, we are in darkness. And our fellowship is in the light. Okay, now now notice this. If we say we have no sin in verse 8, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say again, if we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, again, there's this trend where there was confusion. Some believed that they are no longer sinners or they had their sin nature eradicated. Okay, there was a strange, uh, uh, a strange movement that believed you could somehow no longer sin. Right? And that actually went through our church in the Ukraine. It was very interesting where... Um, where people believe that, right? That somehow you could uh, no longer be in a state of sinning. And I never understood it because just that thought alone is sin. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is. It's like, 
So I want to kind of go in next class what sin really is, but it's missing the mark, okay? It is missing or falling short of the glory of God. So we can sin overtly, we can sin deliberately, and then we can sin through omission, which means we don't even realize that out of ignorance we can still sin, okay? So we're not sinless, but we are sinning less. Little play on words. You get that? Okay. We're not sinless, but we are sinning less. Because as he increases, we decrease. And by the way, um, when we fail, God forbid, and hopefully it's less and less, we just go to God and 1 John 1, 9, what does it say? If we confess our sins, what does he do? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, let me show you something real quick here. So the blood of Christ does three things. And this is, this is so valuable, the blood of Christ, right? This is something that I would encourage you to study every few weeks and really make it clear in your mind. Because the blood of Christ does these three things. It covers... It covers a multitude of sins, right? 1 Peter 4, 8. It doesn't condone, it covers, right? It doesn't say, ah, you know, you're okay, don't worry about it. No, no, no. Love is like a bucket of paint. It covers you. So now you can't see the sin anymore. All you see is the blood. Okay? Let love be between you and me. Which means before I relate to you or look at your sin, I'm looking first at love. You are a product, I'm a product of love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, love does not leave us where it finds us, amen? What does love say? Hey, come be loved. Hey, get, leave that burden behind and come recognize your value. The love of God sees you. The love of God gives you significance. The love of God heals you. Uh, we just did a wedding recently. We talked about how love uh, changes our life. The love of God, right? Number two, the, lo the love of God cleanses you, okay? It's like a, a glorified washing machine, right? With lots of stain remover, right? Anybody use that oxy stain remover? It's amazing. There's an interesting verse in Isaiah 44, 22, and there's a beautiful Greek word called exolephine, and it's the word from blot to blot out. So just like there's the stain of sin, the blood of Christ not only cleans us, but it removes any trace of sin. The word blotting out is exolephine. It means to remove any trace or any spot or any blemish. So I think this is a huge topic to really focus on because we see this in Colossians 2. He blots out, right, 2.14, right? He blots out all of the handwritings that are against us, right? Nailing it to the cross, so when Jesus Christ died on the cross, 
shed his perfect blood that today covers us, it cleanses us, makes us brand new. That's the third one. It rewires us, it regenes us, and it makes us brand new. So Peter, when he denied Christ, what does the blood do for Peter? What did the blood do for Peter? What happened to Peter after he denied Christ? What? It made him obedient, sure, but what happened? Peter confessed his sin, right? That's important, agreeing with God. That's very important. Don't want to miss that. Agreeing with God, a changing of the mind, metanoia, changing of the mind, changing of the heart, changing of the direction. But what did love do? What did love do? Restore. Thank you. Love restored Peter. And Peter went on to preach an amazing message that saved thousands of people. He wasn't on probation. He wasn't under some investigation. He wasn't looked at by 2,500 people with crazy cross-eyes. He was forgiven, and the love of God restored him. And that didn't mean that Peter could be, you know, do whatever he wants. Like, this is what love does. Go and sin no more, right, to the woman at, at caught in adultery. Do not go and sin in this same way again. You are a brand new gal. You are brand new. You are no longer your past. You are no longer your sin. You are no longer, the accusation is no longer true. So the blood of Christ is amazing. Okay? It's amazing. So when you think about, we've read that in 1 Peter 2.21, right? It is precious blood. It is incorruptible blood. So how, how valuable is that? So when a holy God, look at this, is looking at you and me today, who does he see? He sees Christ. Why? Because of his blood. This is why the blood was taken and put in heaven to eternally minister the perfect work of redemption. Okay? Just like just like on the um, on the um, not the tabernacle, uh, on the ark. Is it not the ark? The one on the you hold them on the shoulders. Is that the ark? Thank you. <laughs> Wait a minute. On the mercy seat, the mercy seat is where God meets us, not in the law, but in mercy, and the blood is on top of that mercy seat. So today, you and I, the whole basis of your and my relationship with Christ is based on the blood of Christ. Okay? So what does that mean? That means if we confess our sin, we are saying, Lord, I agree with you that my sin is wrong. But it doesn't stop there. I'm also agreeing that the blood covers, the blood cleanses, and the blood makes me new. Like Sandin said so beautifully, right? We're purified. We're purged, right? We're cleansed, purified, and, and um, cleansed, purified, and made holy. Our way is now holy. Like, think about it. You have holy hands. You have holy feet. You have holy eyes. Like the priests would dip their, their right 
thumb, right? And they, they, they touch the ear and they touch the, the, the hand and the foot so that their ministry would be consecrated and made holy before God. So the blood of Christ, and I want to show you something interesting here. First uh, Peter 1 9. Let me give you a couple verses here. Okay, let me give you, Joe, can you look up First Peter 1 9? Yeah. Tim, can you look up Hebrews 9 12 through 14? And Andrew, can you look up Hebrews 10 4? And while you're all looking at that, Leviticus 17.11. Um, Zoe, can I have you read Leviticus 17.11? All right, now I've given you a bunch of scripture there, but I want us to look at an excellent illustration in Leviticus 14, okay? So we'll break in just a few minutes. But let me read to you Leviticus 14.1 through 7. I think it's one of the best illustrations of the blood of Christ, Okay. Okay, so what does the blood do? It covers, cleanses, and makes us new. It, it purges us and makes us holy, right? Jesus had to shed his blood. He had to die, but he also had to shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no what? No remission of sins. Where is that found? Hebrews what? Nine what? Good. 9.22, this is important. Good, excellent, Andrew. All right, look at Leviticus 14. This directly relates to you and I. Our sin has been forgiven, forgotten, and it's gone. Well, wait a minute, I just, I just failed five minutes ago. Okay, well, we agree with truth, we confess our sins, and we move on. Okay, again, we, the fellowship might be broken, but the, the permanency of our relationship is never broken uh, as far as a son or daughter. Okay, so very important. Some people think uh, you can lose your salvation if you sin and all that. Well, they don't understand the value of the blood of Christ, right? We can trample on the blood of Christ and make it of none effect, okay, like Hebrews 6 talks about. But that simply means that (laughs) we are not experiencing it, but the blood of Christ is still as powerful and perfect as it was the day Christ shed it. So just because we can do nothing against the truth, we can do nothing against what he's done, only for it, okay? All right, I just said a lot of things there. Okay, Leviticus 14, notice this verse. This is so good, okay? Um, I gave you all some verses, but listen to this verse. Leviticus 14, 1 through 7. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priests, And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look and behold if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them in the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times 
and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into an open field. How many have heard this verse before? How many have heard these verses? Okay. This is an amazing concept that's, that if you've never heard it before, it might be a little like, what on earth are we talking about? I want you to write this, I want you to write this verse down, Leviticus 14, 1 through 7, and I want it to be in your meditation because simply what he is saying, because leprosy was a huge problem, someone had to die, there had to be blood spilt, and that bird that died was a type of Christ. And that blood was put on the other bird as a symbol of atonement. And then that bird, who was covered in blood, was set free. Because now the payment of leprosy and death and sin was covered. This is one of the most excellent illustrations in the Old Testament of the redemption of Christ. You and I were, that le- were full of leprosy, which is another word for sin, symbolically. We are all lepers, right? And Jesus said, I will shed my blood, Hebrews 10.10, 10, so that it will never have to be done again. Isn't that good? How many love that? How many are still with me? You all right? This is awesome. So Hebrews, I'm sorry, Leviticus 14, 1 through 7. So the word... The water and the blood, these are three major words in John. The word, the water, and the blood. We're going to be talking about this the next several classes. The water, the word, and the blood. Okay, let's look at these verses really quick that I just missled out to you. uh, And then we'll have a break. Joe, Joe, go ahead and say the reference, please. 1 Peter 1.9 Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Is that the verse? Okay. Maybe it's 119. What's the, what, what's, what, what's 119 look like? 119. But with the precious blood of Christ. There it is. As of a land without blemish and without spot. Okay. Read the next verse too, please. He indeed was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Okay. Perfect lamb. Just like in the Old Testament, they had to take a lamb... They had to shed the blood, and they put it on the, the doorpost, right? Why? Because it reflected that we are covered in the blood of the Lamb. Okay, Tim, what's your verse, please? Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. <clears throat> Neither by the blood goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling, the sanctified, purifying flesh, how much more should the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve There it is. That is an incredible verse. Eternal redemption, an eternal spirit, cleansing our conscience. This is why guilt, shame, and fear, if we really get a hold of the revelation of how we've been made brand new. We've been washed clean. I remember a, a young lady that, um, you know, she, there was promiscuity and she got pregnant before marriage and she came to us and she goes, well, I'm, 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 I, I want to be married to this person, but I've made a mistake. 
and there was repentance and a beautiful restoration, and there was a marriage, and she was made new. She was a bride, right? She was her sin did not define her. There was restoration, and, and she was made righteous. She was sanctified. Good. Okay, Andrew, what's your verse? Hebrews ten four. Good. Okay. So remember, through the book of Leviticus, it's all ceremonial. It's all a picture of Christ, and that was the, that was the relationship that it was based on. That there had to be blood poured out. Okay. But if you look through the whole book of Hebrews, over and over and over and over, Hebrews seven seven, my favorite verse. Anybody know it? You're blessed. Yes, tell me a little bit, a little bit more. That's it. Yes, the superior blesses the inferior. Why? We're inferior and we're blessed by the superior God because He didn't have to do this. We we should have died in our sins, but God says, "No, you're too valuable and you're too precious, and I have a plan for you." Okay, who had Zoe? Leviticus seventeen eleven. Very interesting verse. Okay, we have contaminated blood because of Adam, but the blood of Christ makes us holy. Isn't that amazing? So genetically, we are sinners and our soul cleaves to the dust, but spiritually, we are made new. We are holy. We are precious. We are righteous. We are justified and eventually glorified. Wow, it's amazing. We are declared righteous. So the next time we look at and say, wow, my performance doesn't really, doesn't really track with perfection over here, you know. God is saying, look at Christ. I'm looking at Christ. I'm looking at the work of Christ. This is what's called the finished work. How many know that term? The finished work, right? What is finished? The sin issue. And now it's a son issue. It's amazing. John 19.30, it is finished. It means every demand was met so that we could abide in the presence of a holy God. And we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. So the next time the devil says, hey, you know, you sinned and God didn't really hear your confession. And he starts to remind you of your sin. And it's funny how that happens. You ever have that? Like, you, you, you go to God and you, with your whole heart, say, Lord, I really messed up. I agree with you. I'm sorry. Right? And how quickly the devil comes in as an accuser. Ah, it doesn't work. You know, that, you know. God didn't hear your prayer. You've got to speak it louder. You've got to help yourself. Or you have to be, be a sinner. No, no, no. It is gone. It is gone. Amen? It is gone. So don't like go on the witch hunt trying to find out all your sin. Right? Psalm 51. Uh, before you, God, have I sinned and you only. It certainly affects a lot of people, but I make it right with you. There's a cleansing, a purifying, and then there's a holy way. Okay? Otherwise, Isaiah 30 verse 1 happens, right? Isaiah 30 verse 1. If we don't agree with God, this is what happens. We add sin to sin, and the way of the transgressor 
becomes hard. So, just a word of encouragement. Just agree with God. Don't try to, you can't fool God. God sees it all. And by the way, God is not a bean counter. What do I mean by that? He's not a bean counter, which means, Lord, I sinned in this way 20 times today. God is not counting. He does not do that. Amen? Why why is God not a bean counter? Because of the blood of Christ, yes. And what else? Be a little more specific. What happens to our sin? It's washed away, right? A good verse is Isaiah 118, right? Isaiah 118, good verse. We a crimson is now made of made white as snow, right? So God, and this is another good verse. We might not have that break. I don't know. Psalm 103, whole chapter. So we should memorize Psalm 103. We are forgiven, forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, and verse 10 through 12, he doesn't even deal with you and I in our sin. Oh, God is punishing me. Oh, really? That would contradict Psalm 103, 10 through 12. Yes, there's the consequence of sin, but God never deals with you and I in our sin. Right? Why? Because sin is, is paid for and we are covered in the blood of Christ. But if I live in sin, continue in sin, choose sin, choose death, then the wages of sin is what? It's spiritual death. But God will never stop dealing with us outside of the economy of grace. Isn't that good? So that doesn't mean I live like a hellion, right, on skate on, on wheels here. No, it means that we are fearfully... And trembling before God, saying, Lord, I'm trembling at your word. Uh, like David said multiple times, check my heart, check my spirit, check me. Uh, if there's any wicked way, deal with it in our heart, okay? Wow, isn't that good? How many are excited about that? How many need a break? Oh, man, I want to keep going. Let's, let's take 10 minutes. Lord, thank you for these thoughts. And we love our students, and I get it. Bless this break. Amen. All right. Yes. A bean counter. So a bean counter is someone who counts the sin. Like someone who count their beans before they cook them. Like I've sinned this many times. I've done this many times. Lord, I'm, here I am again. I've, I've said this. I've done this. And God's like, what are you talking about? That sin is gone. That sin is gone. That sin is gone. All right, let's come back in 10 minutes. Okay, how you doing? We all right? Chelsea, how you doing? Isn't Chelsea amazing? She's from New York. Can anything good come from New York? Yes, Chelsea. All right. Your baseball team, that's another discussion, though. Boston Red Sox. No. <laughs> Uh, I haven't watched sports. I haven't watched sports since. I know Brandon has an awesome ministry to the athletes. Um, by the way, Pastor Love's coming out with a with an amazing devotional for the for the athletes. I don't know if you heard about that. I'll share with you later. But I know you have a great ministry. But I stopped watching sports when they started crying about the millions of dollars. You know, 
their, their millions of dollars that they uh, that they make. I said, I'm, you're, you're not gonna, I'm not gonna watch one more minute of that. Bunch of crybabies. Okay, let's start with a class. I agree. <laughs> Sorry for all you sports fans. I don't mean to offend you. Can you imagine crying over like making 25 million or some 50 million dollars? Like suffering. Okay, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. First John 2. Hey, I know it's late, but I'm just this is such an important, important, awesome topic. Amen. And we're gonna just really unpack this, okay? So sin. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Actually, Brandon, Brandon, can you read Romans chapter 5, 17 through 21? And as you're as he's turning there, I want to talk about sin for a minute. So sin is three things, okay? Ultimately, it's missing the mark. Okay? I got a, I got a, a Greek word for you here that I'll share with you in a minute, but it's let me just spell it for you. It's H-A-R-M-A-R-T-I-A. Okay? If you'd like to pronounce that, I, I'll give you an extra credit on that. But uh, What's that? Okay, there you go. Harold, you're... It's Greek, good job. So, so three things. So sin is not something to wink at, like, oh, I'll just do this because God will forgive me. No, no, I don't, I don't want us to have that mindset. Sin separates us and our fellowship with God. Sin is why Jesus had to come to pay for it so that you and I could have a relationship with God. So I don't want to misrepresent what we're talking about. So number one, sin is rebellion. It's rebellion against God. Another word is iniquity which is an emotional rebellion. It's like saying, I know what's wrong and I don't care. I want to do it anyway. Okay? Iniquity is a, is a, is a very uh, powerful word. Like we have transgression, we have personal sin, uh, we have iniquity. These are all levels of premeditated sin, choices against God. Rebellion. It means I want my own way. Okay. Number two, sin is a breach of the law. It's a breach. It means that it's uh, the law says one thing and I do another. Okay. No turn on red. Right. I love that sign as I break the law every time. Right. <laughs> My wife says such a rebellious driver. Right. Breach. I want my own way and I act in my own way. Okay? It's a breach of the law. Okay? If you go to the store and you steal something, guess what? The, the consequence of stealing will be severe. Okay? And then thirdly, it's a violation, a violation of relationship. It's a violation of your relationship. So our identity is a son of God, right? As a child of God, right? But our actions can violate that relationship because it's based on my lust. 
my impulses and my flesh. So let me go a little deeper here. Um, sin means error. It's error. It means to wander from righteousness. So who wants us to sin? It's pretty clear, right? In us is a nature to sin. But I'll tell you, uh, Kevin gave a beautiful verse in, uh, I think it was Hebrew. Uh, let me just give this verse to you. So, oh, it's 1 John 3, 9. Let me, let's read that. 1 John 3, 9. Notice this. It says this. Verse 8, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he may destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Okay, we understand that this is talking about habitual sin. Okay, it means a practice of sin. A lifestyle of sin. He's saying here that a child of God does not live in a lifestyle of sin. Doesn't mean he doesn't sin. It just means he doesn't live in a lifestyle of sin. Okay? So we'll look at that in 1 John chapter 3 uh, next class. But the point is this. Is that the devil is trying to lead us into a place of bondage so that we rebel against the promise we don't experience the promise, and we violate why God came. And I love this in 1 John 3, 9. This is why the Son of Man came to destroy the work of the devil. That's why it's amazing when someone has lived a destructive life. I remember I was sitting with a brother who was dying of cancer, and he had like six weeks to live. And, and his, his, he, he said this to me. He says, oh, I wish I took God more seriously when I was a younger man. And this man died in his, in his 40s uh, from a very aggressive cancer. And um, we know that we're in a body of sin and death. But 1 John 3, 9, we know as believers, we constantly live in a state of recovery. Amen. If we confess our sins, right? Remember, he's not a bean counter. Oh, Lord, here I am again. I'm in trouble. God's like saying, I, I am not counting your sin. Right? I love this. Micah 6. Micah 6. This is a good, this is a good verse. Micah 6, verse 8. Don't rejoice over me, O my enemy. I am down, but I will get back up again. Don't rejoice in my failure. Right? Okay, who did I just give a verse to? Yes. Okay, look at Romans chapter 5. This is Romans 5, 17 through 21. Incredible. Listen to this carefully. Yes, I love the NLT. Yep. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam, one sin brought condemnation upon everyone, 
but Christ's one act of righteousness makes all people right in God's sight, gives them life. Because one person disobeyed God, many people became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many people will be made right in God's sight. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful kindness became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful kindness rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. That's what they say is a mic drop, isn't it? So if someone comes to you and they are plagued with sin, what is your message? What is your message going to be? What's your message going to be, Nupu? What's your message going to be? What's your message going to be, Andrew? Be found. Receive grace. Okay. Good. Well, what's your message going to be, uh, Alyssa? Good. What did he just read? What's your message going to be? There's a temptation to make our message all about don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. And I'm, I don't want to sound her heretical here, but that's not going to help the situation. What's your message going to be, Alyssa? No, let's say a believer. Okay. It's been paid for. Honestly, this is a concept. This is why there's chain sinning. This is why strongholds are such a stronghold. It's because we don't know, and I'm speaking to myself first, the revelation of the power of, of the blood of Christ that can break every chain, that it's paid for. I don't have to lie in my filth and go back to the vomit. Because by one man's offense, many were defiled. But by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. So my message today is, let's talk about, how, it's not going to be how, talk about how bad you are and why you shouldn't have done that. My message is going to be what Christ did and what Christ has given you to walk in. That is the only way an addiction is stopped. This is the only way that, that sin is broken is if we introduce what Christ has done and make that the center, okay? Right? It's not a sin. Is it a sin-centered gospel? No, it's a son-centered gospel. It's son. Right? Right? What's your message going to be? Go ahead, Kevin. What does that say? Amen. Amen. Good. So the, the habit, if, if my message is about sin, I'm going to be all about the behavior. But if it's all about the son, it's all going to be about the heart. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Why do you keep doing that? What's wrong with you? Yeah, there's no hope in that message. Hey, God's given you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. Let's, let's discover the new heart. Let's let the word give you a new appetite. 
But what happens is we are like, oh man, we get, we get self-loathing about our sin. And God is saying, listen, keep walking. Uh, I will keep you from stumbling. Jude uh, 20, I think it's Jude 24 uh, or 26. He'll keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. That's an amazing, amazing uh, verse. Okay, let's look at First uh, John chapter 2. All right. How are we doing? Thank God for the blood. Amen? Okay. What was that verse from Micah? You just said? Micah 6.8. No. Uh, Jude 24 through 26. All right. Notice that we're going to see this with John. My little children. I love that. See those little words? So he's speaking to them like a father to his kids. And he refers many times to these, to these words, to these, uh, to these uh, dear ones that he said, listen, my little children, like he wants them to understand his heart to them, that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, big word, advocate, like God is pleading our case. That person is guilty. Jesus stands up and says, I will take that guilt, that shame, that sin. I will take it all on me, and that person will go free. One bird will die and be broken, and the other one will go free. I will be their advocate. I will plead. I will fight. Grace fights for the believer. I'm sorry, the sinner. Grace fights for the sinner. Excuse me. Fights for the believer, too. That's <laughs> Grace fights for the sinner. I would say, let your message be a little radical and a little scandalous. Don't make it too religious. Grace fights for the sinner. Listen, God says, whosoever, whatsoever, whenever may come. Right? Be a little, be a little bit on the edge, right? With that, because sometimes we can get a little churchianity and say, "Oh, you got to clean this up and do that and be a little bit more holy." That's that's not the gospel. That's absolutely ridiculous, because it's all it's this it's behavioralisms which don't work. Okay, all right. I'm going to go on another tangent because that's one of my favorite tangents. Okay. Uh, the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but the whole world. That's why Calvinism, saying that uh, predestined those to be in heaven or predestined those to hell, or the limited atonement is really tragic, bad news, and not the gospel. Okay. Now, by this we know that we know him If we keep his commandments, he said, I know him and does not keep his commandments. He is a liar. We said that the liar is someone who breaks the truth or divides the truth. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps the word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. And he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Okay. So... You know, again, we're not we're not um, policemen of people's lives, but our life should reflect the life of Christ. I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but 
there's a difference, right? There's a difference. When we're unsaved, we get saved, and then there's a difference, okay? So, again, let's, uh, again, we see some great verses here. Uh, but 9 through 11, he who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness, okay? Now, it's very interesting. People can talk the talk, but walking the walk means I literally have to do what the Bible says. So if I hate my brother, Matthew chapter 5, if I am gifted and working in the church and I have ought against another brother, it says, put your gift down and reconcile your brother. I would dare say that if I'm not reconciled with my brother in the body and I'm ministering the church, I'm not anointed in my ministry. I'd say that. Right? 1 John 2.20, we're going to read here that everyone has an anointing from God. But if I am not reconciled with my brother and I'm, and I'm doing the work for God, God is saying, that's great. Go make it right with your brother. That's more important to me. That's more important to me. Okay? He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling. By the way, if someone doesn't receive your forgiveness, that is not your problem, right? Let's say Lennon, awesome brother. Let's say I offend Lennon, okay? A Lennon comes to me and tries to restore that. And I say no, right? Lennon is, he is blameless. I'm the one that is in breach, right? So the same principle here is if there's ought against one another, or discord, or some sort of disagreement, if you go in a spirit of humility and try to make it right, and that person receives you, then you're restored. If they don't receive you, that's not your problem, right? Does that make sense? Okay. All right. That's a whole other amazing topic. I love, isn't this great? The Bible is like you could talk forever on it. Okay. Uh, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. Again, he is addressing this twice and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Okay, So I can have the light, I can be a son, but I can also be deceived. Okay, And then he goes into this from 12 to 14, a great set of verses here about the family. And how many fathers do we have here? By the way, it's great to have Pastor Amboise. It's great to have you, sir. I'm sorry I should have recognized you earlier, but um, yeah, I know, huh? He's from the promised land, France, okay? Uh, <laughs> I like saying that. I had a great trip there. But we need to come visit you. What city are you in? Toulouse. Yeah, Toulouse, okay. We're all coming. We're coming on our final. We're coming over. All right, Brandon's going to buy all our tickets. Okay, okay. Verse 12. <laughs> Confess those things as not as though they are, right? Romans 4.18. Hey, why not? God could give it. God could do that, right? Okay. So notice this. This is an amazing set of verses for family. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. This is what is so important. You're forgiven not for your sake. It's for Christ's sake. Right? 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is a good verse to memorize. 
2.13, if we are faithless, any faithless people here? Yes. But our faith doesn't depend on us, right? Romans 3.3, 3, right? But if we are faithless, he, he, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. It's the same principle here. This is why our message has to be son-centered. Right? It's not, it's not like behavioral modification. Like, Yeah, we've said some illustrations on that. But anyway. So, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. He's saying, listen, dads, remember the beginning of your faith and tell your kids so that they can grow in maturity and understanding the true nature of the faith. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Okay? Identity, identity, identity. Right? You will overcome. Right? Because youthful lusts, youthful passions, novice traits, you know, youthfulness, you jump in before you, you know all the facts and you make mistakes. You will overcome. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Repeats it the second time. Why? So they don't forget. Don't forget, right? Don't forget. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Again, overcome, overcome, overcome. What's our life? We are overcomers. Romans 8.31. We are more than overcomers, right? All right, this is so good. Okay. That is worth a lot of time that unfortunately we don't have, but that is the family identity. And then he shifts into, do not love the world for the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So now we're going to start to shift to love. Like if I love the world, then the purity and the power of the love of God is not operating in me, right? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, the cosmos, the Antichrist spirit, and the Antichrist. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it, and he who does the will of God abides forever. Okay, that's amazing. Little children, verse 18 it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, but which we know that is the last hour. They went out from us. They were not of us. Okay? Again, uh, false teachers in the church. Right? They forgot the truth. They were ignorant of the truth. And what was the third one? They stopped having a relationship with the truth. Uh, Revelations 2.4, they left their first love. Okay, What's the first love? Well, certainly it's not talking about uh, when I first got saved, right? When I first got, it's 1 John 4.19, that's first love, is God is constantly loving me. And if I stop fellowshipping with how much God loves me, we will wander off into performance and religiosity. And that's why Ephesus had an incredible record, but they stopped fellowshipping with God. It's like you and I doing the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. 
or doing the Christian life without prayer, or doing the Christian life without reading my Bible. Like, I need a relationship with Christ in what I'm doing. And I know you know this, okay? How we doing? We're almost done. I would love to spend, someone said this the other day, they said I should have three hours. I wish I had three hours. So I apologize for the brevity of this, but this is so important. And I hope you're reading these chapters, right? You know to read these chapters, right? Prior to the class. Okay, good. All right, let's, we see the beautiful anointing here in verse 20. Okay, great verse. Isaiah 10, 27. We understand that the anointing, the breaking, the crushing, it, it, uh, it removes the yoke of bondage, amen? It really does. The anointing, Christ's ministry in you. That's the anointing. Christ's ministry, his ministry is in you. It's in you. That's why when you're walking in the light, the anointing is powerful. Okay? I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, verse 21, but because you know it and no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. By the way, this is very good. Like someone might say, oh, I believe, I'm, I believe in the Father and I believe in the Spirit, but I don't believe in the Son, right? Or how about this? I don't believe the Bible. I just believe in God. Like, no, you have to believe in the three persons of Christ. It's not modulism or modalism, excuse me, modalism. It's not that. It's the person of the, the, fa- the Father is the creator, the designer, The Son is the one who uh, went and implemented. And then the Son, uh, excuse me, the Holy Spirit is the one that fulfilled the work of Christ. It's amazing. Trinity, right? Is Trinity in the Bible? Is Trinity in the Bible, that word Trinity? No. No. But we see the person of Christ, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit many, many times. And I want to bring that up next class. That is so valuable. So, okay, I want to close out here. Um, Whosoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's promised to you, eternal life. That's amazing, isn't it? He's kind of referring back to chapter 1. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. It's very subtle, right? But the anointing which you've received from him abides in you, and do not, you do not need that anyone should teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, that is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will... Abide in him. So let me let me clarify that. Do we need a do we need a teacher? Do we need a pastor teacher? We do, right? But he's also referring here that the Holy Spirit will speak to you too. He'll minister the truth to you. Okay? So he's saying you do it's not that you don't need a teacher, you need the Holy Spirit to be your ultimate teacher, and you need someone to be accountable to. Absolutely. And then he finishes again, 28. Now little children. Can't you hear him say that? Come on, little children. You know, come on. You know, come on. 
He's like a, he's like a dad. He's like, come on. He's like, just follow me. Trust me. Listen to me. I was, I was on a walk with my son tonight, and, and he was looking at everything, and we were enjoying our time. And I said, Carson, l- listen to what I'm saying. Try to focus. <laughs> Try to focus, right? And uh, the father is so patient, isn't he? All right, let's look at this last verse here. Uh, Abide in him, and when he appears, we have confidence, and we will not be ashamed before him in his coming. If you know that he is righteous, and you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Wow. Amen? All right, let's just take a minute here. Let's just take a few minutes. Uh, Satan is going to hand out the... We have something to hand out? Already did it. Wow, you're so good. Um, Talk to me. What are some things you gained from the class? Let's just take a few minutes. We talked a lot of stuff here, but talk to me just for a minute. Tell Someone tell me about the blood. Someone tell me a couple points about the blood of Christ. Uh, let's get someone I haven't heard a lot from tonight. Uh, Nick, tell me something about the blood. Okay. Blood covers good. Cleanses good. Someone help them out. Makes new, restores, good. How does it do it, Salem? Uh, how does it do that? Yeah, how does the blood do that? By the blood, okay. You got to answer the question without using the same words. You're sneaky. <laughs> how does the blood do that? Jesus, right. Jesus puts it there, right? Jesus has established that this is the center of our relationship. Good. What else about the blood? Zoe, what can we say about the blood or Chelsea? Why is the blood so important? Tori. Hebrews 9, verse 22. Without the blood, there is no mission. Okay. Excellent. Gerald brought up a great point. Do you want to bring up that point you brought up at break? Remember? Yeah. Gerald? Yeah. Or Gerald? Gerald, excuse me. I'm thinking of Jared, I'm thinking of you. You're next. Be your next. Go ahead. Whoops. That point you brought up break is good. I was thinking that when Jason said that in the morning, I was thankful that I woke up. I was thinking that yesterday from the cross divides the yesterday from today. Whatever we had yesterday, during the evening, we're doing it at cross, and in the morning, we are new. And, uh, we have new mercies, new grace from God. So the cross will divide the yesterday from today. Even, awesome. Even five minutes ago. They overcame him by what? Blood of the Lamb. Blood of the Lamb and word of their testimony, and they... Love not their life unto the death. Kevin, where is that found? Revelation 12. 12, yes. 11. Good. They overcame who? By what? Overcame the devil by the blood of Christ, the word of our testimony saying, listen, just what uh, Earl just said, we are brand new, we are clean. John 15, 3. Big verse. We're going to talk about this 
We're going to talk about the three things, the word, the water, and the blood next class. All right, tell me more. I know we're, we're, we're pushing the envelope here. Tell me more. Nuku, tell me something. Tell me anything about class. Excellent. Good. Chelsea, tell me something. Joe, tell me something. Well, we talked a lot about sin. We defined it, harmatia, and we also talked about we need to handle Christ and touch Christ. Yeah. We talked about the resurrection, which is the last supper. The time to... Good. Remember that when we're in our struggles. Struggle is not sin. Your struggle is not sin, right? The sin is when we choose something other than God and we walk in that darkness, right? But handling Christ, Christ is in our messes. Chelsea, you, want, you, you, you ready? Yeah, I like... Yes. Yes, good. Jared. Okay. Talk about how God cannot deny Himself, the forgiveness, the forgiving of sin. Can't deny. Good. <laughs> people may people may remember our sins, but does Christ remember our sins? An omnipresent God knows everything, everywhere, and all-powerful, chooses to forget. That's how powerful the blood is. So the devil's like, what about that? Well, you can say, what about what? Yes? Is it safe to say not that you choose to forget, but you have to set it up that way with the blood of Christ? We could say that, sure. Like you can't lie. Yeah. It's not that he chooses not to lie, but you literally can't. Great point. Good. Lennon, contribute something? Blood sin. Whatever. We're going to just whatever. Sin separates us from God. Sin is in the heart. Falling short of the glory of God. God forgives and restores us to the blood. Good. Isn't that a, isn't that a message that can, can heal the broken heart, can it? It isn't about being worthy or good enough. It's about falling and collapsing into the arms of God, isn't it? It really is. I mean, and I think deception happens when we start to lean on our own understanding, right? Any words you want to add to this? Yeah, you talked about in Leviticus, the two birds, one that discovered the blood of the other, and then uh, let free. That's a picture of us. Yeah, good. Excellent. I mean, Errol also said this at the break. He said that um, the covering was in the Old Testament, right? And then the cleansing was that process. This is all a progression. God is cleansing us, washing us, and now we are made new, right? What about that word exalifying? Remember that word? Exalifying, right? Isaiah 44. To remove any trace of sin. 
we'll go into that. We're going to really dig into this. I got to close, but um, how do you spell that? Oh, that's a great question. E X P H A L I N E, I believe it is. E X P H A L I N E. All right, let's pray. Hey, you've been a great class tonight. Isn't this like, I'm so energized. But Lord, bless us in these thoughts. God, make this real, personal. And we want to declare this. This is the message. This is the message. In Jesus' name, bless our students. Amen. God bless you.